have you ever been on antidepressants? For like a day, and then I deleted oh, I it to give me anxiety. It was really fun for three days, but it was like so overwhelming because every time you'd open it, you'd have like 60 new messages. So you had like 60, 70 people messaging at one time. Damn, like no damn Ken. Okay, flex. I think it was just because I set my location <laughs> to Vancouver. So it was like a lot of people, but um, yeah. it, was, it was so overwhelming. Like it was just, it was just constant. It was just constant. Oh, but could you imagine like going on dating apps and like trying to be sober and all your dates like want to go under like get a drink no I know I think that would be like very because I think that yeah that's like the basic thing that you do people will be like oh do you want to go for a drink do you want to um and and yeah you're kind of like so social the first thing you'd say is you're like you either have to be like no yeah let's get coffee or like no let's get dinner and then if you say no let's get dinner then they might think that you're just like too formal or they're like they just want a free meal like what which of course but you know, I think that it would be, I don't even know how I would handle it. Like maybe you could just say like, um, sure. But then go in and knock into alcoholic beverage, but then you're forced to, to tell the person yeah. that you're not drinking anyways, whether it's there in person or like preemptively over the chat. No, I know. So, you know. There's just so many things that you don't think about having to navigate if you were living sober. And luckily, if you are trying to be sober and these are new things you're trying to like understand well, how do I do it we have the perfect guest on the pod today a reoccurring guest that we love mm-hmm. here to talk about her sobriety journey and she talks about what it's like to go on dates being sober we have Michelle Pugel back on the podcast we had her back about a year ago originally talking about her book Anna Mia and me about her experience on um, with um, an eating disorder and anorexia so now we have her and she's coming out with a new book. It's a poetry book. She's going to tell us all about that. And she's going to tell us also about her experience with being sober. So let's welcome Michelle to the pod. Let's do it. The bosses will see you now. No, it's yeah. crazy how much can happen in a year when it feels like every single day is the exact same. Yes. Like, <laughs> like how we looking back, like so much happened in 2021. So yep. What happened for you in 2021? I know when we left off, you were hinting at some writing that was happening. Yes. So. Um, so last time we spoke, I was pretty much in the thick of writing a, a pretty comprehensive chaptered book. And since then, there's been a shift. <laughs> and uh, it's been a really interesting journey because I think that the book itself has had at least two full like metamorphoses. So I, I didn't fully start over. Um, what I did was I returned to a creative project that I had started in 2018, r- really shifting away from like the academic writing of, of a novel and like a, a really indexed novel, moving into a lot of poetry that I had. Um, the themes are the exact same, love, loss, trauma if I could sum it up in three words, it's love, loss, trauma. It, uh, it goes through pretty much a progression of, you know, a, uh, a kind of bending stage um, where you're going into the marriage and everything, and then uh, a breaking stage, and then kind of that metamorphosis at the end where the poetry is very, um, like I hope at least, I hope it's very inspiring and empowering and, gives that little bit of a nudge to somebody who doesn't really have like a huge support network around them, um, which not everybody does. And especially, you know, a lot of people have lost a lot of people during the pandemic for a lot of different reasons. So it'd be nice to have like kind of that companion book when you sit down and you're like, yeah, you feel like you're reading like something that your best friend gave you or your best friend wrote for you. Yeah. I think that's so interesting because with your last book with Anime and me, you said that you had written it and then you went back and you went back to what you had originally written and kept that and then created like the version that you brought put out and you're doing the same thing again. You're writing Much. stuff and you're going back. So uh, the moral of the story is to just write when you want to write and then keep it. Don't ever get rid of it because you're gonna you're gonna use it and make it a book one day. <laughs> Last time we talked, um, you were talking about the, you were writing about your sobriety journey. So does that come into the new book as well? Um, There's definitely elements to it. So uh, like I said, I started in 2018 with the content, like the Mm -hmm. poems that are in, um, going to be in the book. And so during that time I was still drinking, right? Um, 
some of the poems are about that struggle of knowing that I'm I'm drinking too much and that I'm I'm kind of coping through drinking and it's not really working anymore. For you, you can go back and look at what you wrote when you were going through it and what you're writing now and like see the difference because it's almost like you can like talk to your older self and see remember how you were experiencing it yeah um I I have really touched on that concept almost of like time traveling because Mm -hmm. when you do it's over four years right so that's quite a lot of time especially when that four years has contained like an engagement wedding divorce move across the country, restart of your entire life, going freelance. It's been a whole ride uh, getting sober. (laughs) So, you know, when it comes down to that, uh, some of those times it's really important to have that because you can look back and it reminds you why you quit drinking or why you got sober in the first place to read it and be like, wow, I'm really happy. I don't have to be struggling with that. Or I'm really happy that I've come so far or look at that, you know, and there's a great sense of like pride that comes with that, but also, um, a real understanding of what's at stake, I guess, Mm -hmm. you know, when, when you decide to stop drinking, there's always a reason. True. How long have you been sober now? I just reached 19 months, um, a couple days ago. Wow. Congratulations. Um, I can't even believe that really like 19 months seems like if you had asked me day one, like do 19 months, I would have been like, whoa, like (laughs) that's way too long. So when you first got sober, did you intend to do it for the rest of your life or was it something like, I'll try a month, I'll try a week? It was definitely prompted by something. I was drinking quite heavily every day, uh, trying to cope with the divorce and all of that stuff. Um, And I actually ended up with gastritis and ended up bleeding from my intestines from it Wow! during a hike which was not a fun experience at all uh especially because I didn't know what was going on uh like I didn't make the connection right away that oh this is caused by drinking right because truth be told drinking is is a huge part of our culture like a lot of people drink uh, not only regularly but frequently and large amounts um depending on the circles that you run in, uh, regular drinking is quite normal. So you don't really see, but again, every body is different, Mm -hmm. right? So my body, which has been through the trauma of an eating disorder and, you know, um, it didn't want to continue drinking. It pretty much was like, I'm not going to give you a choice. I'm going to scare you so much that you're never going to want to drink again. Um, I did want to drink again. (laughs) Uh, You know, it was scary for a bit and then the the fear wears off and you kind of get back to everyday life and, and people start, you know, Oh, or when are you going to start drinking again? Cause Mm. you know, there's always kind of that implication and getting to 30 days was really difficult, but I promised myself I'd do that for, you know, the medical reason of doing it. Um, I didn't think I would really stick to it. I certainly didn't think, anything like being sober forever. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't think that it's a great idea to go down that path. I think that forever becomes really overwhelming Mm -hmm. because forever has like how many Christmases, how many birthdays, how many New Year's is Valentine's birth or baby showers. All of these things include celebrations, um, which is one of the biggest things that, that you got to relearn is like, how do you celebrate without like I was the person I I bring wine I bring champagne I'm like I I always had a bottle of champagne with me everywhere I went it was like my signature um and I mean that was then and this is now and like we were talking in the beginning like it's an it's an evolution of my own journey so I think that a lot of um other people have kind of pushed their own limits with drinking and and come to realize that because the sober curious movement yeah. is super taking off right now. Um, and you know, the pandemic kind of forced that out of a lot of people. It put it in our faces a bit and made us kind of confront what was going on. Um, 
for me, it also coincided, like I said, with the, the divorce and the move and all of those things at once. So it was just a lot. Um, mm-hmm. Like I think back to the conversation we had and I was like, wow, I did that. Like, while well, all of that other stuff was going on in the background and that's pretty cool. Like you just, when it comes to the thing you love, you just have to keep moving forward with it. it. You just keep moving every single day and then you look back and you're like, whoa, like all the, look at all that I've accomplished. Like even just the podcast, it's a little different, but still we look back and we're like 30 episodes. Like I know. <laughs> so how did you feel like day one versus week one versus month one and then year one? How, like, did you see yeah. such a big change in just like how you mentally felt, how you physically felt? Absolutely. One of the biggest things was sleep. And this isn't something that gets talked about a whole lot because it doesn't sound very glamorous. Like it's not like, oh, you get better skin, which right now I have horrible skin because I've been eating so much sugar while I'm writing this book. Um, Yeah. When you give up alcohol as well, sometimes you get intense sugar cravings because alcohol is like sugar. Um, So it's like a huge difference for your body. So week one, when you're going through it, your body's like freaking out. Um, And I mean, it totally depends how much you've been drinking, right? Uh, Week one for me obviously started horribly uh, with the gastritis. So moving forward a little bit, um, after 30 days, there was a reason why I decided not to start drinking again. I could tell that I was sleeping through the night I was sleeping soundly. Um, I wasn't waking up panicky, sweaty, just like heart racing at three or four in the morning, going over like, and I mean, again, throughout these situations, I was in a marriage that Mm -hmm. obviously wasn't working. Um, So there was that as well that was going on, but it's a common thing that I've heard from people before they, they decide to quit is that every, every time that they drink, it's like they're, they're waking up in those early hours. And scientifically what it is, is that's actually when the alcohol has really begun to wear off in your system. Um, and pretty much you're like waking up, like with that hangover begin, like, and the more you drink, um, especially if you deal with any kind of anxiety issue, um, or if you're on any kind of medication for mental health, it's very dangerous. Um, so talk to your doctor, <laughs> but like, it, you know, it's, it's not a great idea and uh, it just perpetuates the anxiety. So I really noticed a reduction in the anxiety over time. It didn't happen right away. Right away. I, um, I questioned like, why am I doing this? I felt super isolated. Um, almost like having the eating disorder, like something like that, like, when you're doing it, when you're first starting out with it, it can really put you on like an outside of the norm. Right. Um, again, that's just if the people around you, um, drink regularly or casually or whatever, but yeah, it it can kind of like make you feel super insecure all over again. Like that, like, Mm. how do I do this (laughs) without alcohol? Um, that's that for me was the hardest part. Like, going through the emotional stuff, um, on my own, like I'm used to that, but it was when I got to the point of like, can you to like branch out and like make friends and socialize? I've moved back to BC. It's time. Um, it's still hard. Yeah. (laughs) So hard in the pandemic. That's for sure. How, how did your friends and family let, like, you had in your circle and not before you're trying to make new friends, how did they react to your sobriety and how did they support you or hopefully they did support you? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So uh, at the beginning it was like super understand. I got you. Like, I don't think anybody expected me to still not be drinking. Mm. Um, There's definitely been a lot of conversations around that, uh, especially around the holidays and especially around, special moments that come up and where people are having a glass of wine or, you know, it's always, it's always the question of like, well, can't you just have one glass or don't you just want one glass? And unfortunately, uh, like I've come to realize, like I've come to say, like, I I don't want one glass. Like I want at least two. And Mm -hmm. by then I'm going for three. And 
then I'm going to drink the next day. Like, it's just really not beneficial to me in any regard. It's, it just sets off the brain on a path of, I want this all the time type of thing. And that's a typical, you know, addict brain. They want it all the time. It becomes problematic, especially when you're using it to cope. Um, I find that family, like my family's pretty small and uh, they, they trust my opinion and, you know, they've really wanted uh, to like hit home for me that they don't think I have a problem with alcohol. They don't, they don't, see a, a reason for me not to drink like they're fine if I want to drink like they wouldn't think they would never question it if I said like I drink again now type of thing like um because nobody nobody really said oh I think you have a problem you should quit mm-hmm. it was a personal decision um and even you know there's there's a lot of denial that goes on too, because even with having something like gastritis, which is a pretty um, in your face, like wake up call that you've been drinking too much. Um, there was still a lot of like, well, maybe it was stress, you know, a lot of um, people trying to maybe give me the benefit of the doubt when I think at that time I was ready to take accountability. Um, I had tried to quit drinking once before and I had gone like eight months in my marriage. Um, so it was kind of the divorce situation itself that got me off of that track in the first place. And I really regretted, um, like I felt like I lost that eight months of sobriety and I felt like, you know, then it almost became harder to tell my friends and family like, Oh, I'm not drinking again. So it becomes kind of like, Oh, okay. This is just the thing you're doing again, but you'll drink, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, but once you start getting um, like a decent amount of time behind your belt, so to say, people, they just, I find that people are overwhelmingly supportive and overwhelmingly um, like impressed. Like, wow, okay, like you're serious about it. It's been, you know, after that year mark. Um, I really felt that, that people kind of started taking it as seriously as I had been taking it. Um, but earlier on, like I said, I, I did feel quite like, I don't, I can only say like, it's that kind of blind faith that this is something that you have to do that carries you through it because you're not really sure in the beginning stages, like, you're like, is this better? Because it's, it is alienating not being a drinker you know, mm-hmm. it yeah. really is. <laughs> I can ask you, how has it affected like friendships or like dating or things like mm-hmm. that? Or how- um, uh, <laughs> so friendships, great. Um, I find like my female friends are super supportive. It, it's like, it's not even a question or an issue anymore. Um, again, because it has been so much time and it's not really anything we talk about. I don't have a whole lot of girlfriends who do drink um, or drink like enough so that they need to drink when we're out together, grabbing lunch or whatever, you know? Um, A lot of them are moms. So there's a lot of busyness that goes on and not that moms don't drink, but (laughs) veering away from that. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah. a lot of support, overwhelming support. Dating is a completely different story. A completely different story. If I thought dating was difficult and complicated and complex before, it's a very interesting thing. Number one, um, I only ever dated like in my younger years when alcohol was involved. So Mm -hmm. that's a whole new thing altogether is like, how do you even be a normal human being sober and not be like a sweating, anxious mess? (laughs) Like I would always get to the date early, have a glass of white wine and like chill my nerves before they ever showed up. I'd have that whole place scouted, mapped out, like, (laughs) you know, like, but these days it's, uh, there's a lot more online. It's, it just comes up right away. It's just right there, right away, you know, um, because there's all, all those like, do you drink? Do you not drink? On hinge. Yeah. 
Do you do drugs? Do you yeah. like, smoke weed? Like, it's all of this. This is a lot of information. This is a lot of information. Yeah, it's actually kind of nice though, because you can learn a lot it, about it people like, as soon as you see it. But um, there's a lot of preconceived notions about yeah. people who don't drink. Yeah. Just like there's a lot of preconceived notions about you know people who do drink, but mm-hmm. there there are. Um, I find that it's somewhat it makes me even less approachable, which well, is I, hard. <laughs> well, I feel like it comes up even, even not on a profile because so many people will just be like, hey, do you want to grab a drink? Like, let's just go exactly. for a drink. Like, because coffee's too casual, but dinner's too much. So it's mm-hmm. like, let's grab a drink. And then you're like, the first thing you're going to learn about me is you're like, I don't drink. And then yeah, you're yeah. right. Like, yeah. as soon as you hear that, you're like, oh, well, why? I you know. know. It's like, okay, like even I, I would be curious like if it was in the reverse, a hundred percent, I'd, and I, and to be honest, I'd be kind of like, I want to know that story. But then it's like, you don't even know their last name, but they're telling you, you're like, you have to feel like you have to tell them that story. And you're it's like, a very okay. like, like, come on, can't I introduce myself in another way first? So it's like, yeah. I don't drink, I don't smoke. Uh, I don't have kids. I've got a grad school degree. I work for myself. I live a, like, I am, I work alone. I like, it's like, I've got a cat. I think there's like a huge red flag on my profile. (laughs) I'm just kidding though, because honestly, like, I'm surprised, like I'll go on there and it'll be super flattering because it's like, oh, okay. Like there are human men out there who are interested. Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, uh, it does come up. And even in dating, like, even if I say like, it's totally fine, you know, we go out to dinner, have a beer, have what you want. Like, I get it too. I understand it, that there's a discomfort on the other side of the table there. And it's like, again, now we're starting with like the other person. And I know like, it's so comforting to have that drink in your hand when you're on a date. Like, my goodness, I like, I loved that part of it. It was like, let's go for like appies and a drink. Mm-hmm. It's and relaxing. You can also blame things that you say on the drink once you've like absolutely. had the drink, right? It's like, like a oh, gateway. Yeah. <laughs> when you go out for coffee, you both just like. Oh, you're responsible for everything that comes out of your mouth. More yeah. and, more. and then by the end, you're both like shaking anxious messes. Like, yeah. Like, oh, God. So how do you handle it? I feel like this has become, like, a dating episode, but how do you handle it? Oh, I'm like, well, I mean, a big part of staying sober, though, is the social aspect of it, right? Um, Those are the things that make or break your sobriety if you can't, if you can't get through them moment by moment and time by time and remind yourself, like, especially during the holidays, it gets very difficult with gatherings. Now that, you know, we're we are in year three, but we're kind of coming to a different um, landscape of the pandemic, I feel, Mm -hmm. and people are getting Mm -hmm. a little bit more comfortable meeting. Um, And with that, you know, it's, uh, I still have a hard time with it, to be honest. Um, Even navigating it, I was seeing someone for a while and it was like, somebody kept offering me a drink at a party and it was like over the course of the night. So I just kept, you know, it's fine. No, thank you. I've got, like, I always have something with me. Mm-hmm. Um, rule number one is always have your own beverage with you. Um, but people will still offer because it's, you know, it's the nice, polite thing to do. Um, and like, that's fine. That's good. You should offer people drinks. <laughs> um, but when you, when you say no and you know, you, it's, it's almost like you're rejecting um, a hospitality, mm-hmm. right? So and after a while, um, the guy I was seeing kind of jumped in and he was like, she just doesn't drink. <laughs> and, I, and I was like, well, yeah, that's a lot easier to just say mm-hmm. instead of every time just being like, oh, no, thank you. I'm good. And mm-hmm. not like drawing attention. But again, it's like I had just met this lady. Yeah. And it, it isn't that like thing because it automatically it's like, oh, well, how long have you drank? oh, well, that's really interesting. Like, oh, well, especially if you are with somebody who's drinking, um, Mm -hmm. it can be a challenge for sure. And then there's always that certain point of the night, of course, uh, where it just doesn't super interest the person who's not drinking anymore. It just kind of becomes like, okay, I need to take my brain. (laughs) (laughs) So what's been like, 
on a date or meeting somebody or even like family because I'm interested like how to be around my sober friends like what's the best way what's like a bad reaction you've had and what's a good reaction to help the people out yeah the best reaction is just really not to make any kind of big deal about it at all um remind yourself that there are endless reasons why people don't drink um there are endless reasons why people don't drink, including like maybe trying to get pregnant or a health reason, or they're on a certain medication. Like a lot of it um, is super personal. And, you know, I would say that if, if you're asking yourself, like, how do I cope or how do I be around this person? There's more of a question of like, are you comfortable being around them not drinking? And is that a no, like, is that a deal breaker for you in a relationship on your end? And also asking that of the person at some point, um, because it's not always the same for everyone. And it's not always the same all the time. Uh, there have been certain situations where in the beginning of dating, I've been like, I don't care. And then as you've gone through some situations, it's been like, maybe I should care. You know, maybe it should be something that maybe it's not a good fit if, you drink every night. <laughs> like, you know, maybe there should be boundaries. So check in with them. Um, check in with them. And yeah, the, I guess the worst reaction I've ever had would, it's not even so much a reaction to me not drinking, but a reaction to the things that come with not drinking, which is literally all of the emotions and feelings and anxieties that you're trying or I was trying to drink away they they're still there mm. <laughs> and now that you're not drinking they're going to come to the surface um and when that person is going through that just remember it's temporary and just remind them that it's temporary and I mean we could all do a lot better with processing more of our emotions um and giving space for that in relationships, uh, which can be really difficult right now because we are all really burnt out. Um, and sometimes you, you won't be the friend that's going to be there for them. Um, the worst, the worst thing that you can ever do is offer them a drink, say, why don't you just have a drink? Uh, what, what are you doing this to yourself for? You weren't that bad. Um, that is not what somebody needs to hear. It's so invalidating. Um, and and it, it really plays with them as well, especially if they are having a hard time in that moment with it and they trusted you with that. Um, it can be super hard to talk about, especially because there, there's still a lot of stigma around, you know, I still get like, but can't you just control it? Like, don't you just want to, can't you just do it sometimes? And it's like, been there done that tried that and if it didn't work it's so much easier to stay sober than to get sober again mm -hmm. which is the truth um it's easier to keep it in motion so yeah uh the best thing give them space for their emotions if if you can if you do have that space um and like if they if they bring up things like you know they might get curious about aa or trying different things that they've never tried before you you do need to remember that without drinking comes a heck of a lot of free time so much free time um it's amazing especially if you're somebody who's like struggles with hangovers from drinking which is was me Ugh. Hmm. um there's so much time uh that that you can use and you do need to use and find hobbies and find things to do so you should like, get excited about that because your friend's expanding and like kind of check in on what they're doing and try to get in on some of that too because it's going to be cool. Like I've done, you know, like I snowshoe now. I just bought a paddle board, which like I would have never done before because why go paddle boarding? So yeah. <laughs> One thing I wanted to get your opinion on and I'm interested how – it may have impacted your own journey is like you talked about it at the very beginning, like consciously so sober movement is happening. Yeah. I was Googling it, like what I should talk about today. And I got a ton of articles saying like, you're what this wellness trends actually really hindering my sobriety journey. Like 
I don't think like this you, sober, a sober movement's not just like an influence trend. Like it's a yeah. big deal. And I was seeing a lot of articles. So I wanted to get your opinion. Like, do you think see it like influencers taking a month off drinking and posting about it or the consciously sober movement has helped you or hindered you in any way? So really interesting question, especially um, since today's the last day of dry January. Mm -hmm. um, so we just came out of that. And yeah, uh, I'm going to go with a more positive lens. Um, yeah. I'm going to go with a more positive lens on that because this year was set to be the largest dry January ever. Um, I, I wrote an article about it and, you know, dry January has only been around for, I can't remember the exact amount, but like a decade, like it's not that old. Um, it started over in the UK, I believe, um, about like the pros and cons, um, of dry January. And some of those cons I think are in line with what this writer, uh, was saying or social media influencer was saying with like it really is more serious than that. Um, yeah. but there is a spectrum. There is a spectrum, uh, in everything in life. And I think that now more than ever, we're really coming into that as a concept, as a society, mm -hmm. drinking exists on a spectrum. Um, it's not just the like functional versus not functional alcoholic anymore. There's a whole range of it. And so for the person who you know, is struggling over their holidays, drinking too much and like having those hangovers and seeing these posts about like doing a, a quick challenge or a timed specific goal. That is super impact, like impactful. Mm -hmm. Every yeah. time they see it, it sinks in a little bit. Right. And I tried to remind myself of that when I was feeling really nervous about posting dry January stuff because of that. Yeah. Like, I don't really post a whole lot about the drinking journey and I'm like, am I just doing it because it's trending right now? And it's like, well, that's what you're literally supposed to do. Uh, <laughs> like you're, you're supposed to get that information out when you can dry Feb. I think like nobody really, there's not a whole lot of clout around mm -hmm. that. Um, by now people are exhausted. January mm -hmm. exhausted people with all the high hopes that they had, all the goals that they had. Um, the thing about dry January that can be really, again, you can see it both ways. If you don't make it through dry January, you know, some people can say that can, that can be really defeating and you can mm. feel like a failure and it makes you feel worse. And like, what's the point, but it's all mindset in that individual person. You can see it like that, or you can see it like, Hey, I couldn't make it two weeks without really just saying, you know, I'm tossing this idea out the window and I really need a drink and coming up with any reason, like I had a horrible day, whatever, you know, to drink. Um, and then carrying that with you throughout the rest of the, the year. If you see that kind of content and you see that other people are doing it so powerful. Mm -hmm. Um, I can't tell you how many times, uh, the sober app, I am sober. Mm -hmm. I love it. I've been using it for my, uh, quit drinking journey the entire way. It counts, um, money saved time cool. saved. I've saved like $6,000. Yeah. What? You should go on a trip. I know. Yeah. Whoa. That's amazing. Yeah. That's crazy. Well, That's like, very motivating actually. Yeah. Exactly. And <laughs> everybody has a different reason for their motivations, mm -hmm. right? Some people are like, you know, that also accounts to thousands of, or hundreds of hours of time that I've saved, not mm -hmm. having the like two hours of wine every night type of thing. Sunday scaries. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. And like, you don't, it just avoids that. It avoids yeah. all the anxiety time too. I agree with what you said that it is like a net positive and I was quite surprised to see some negative articles about it. Like you never want to downplay the severity of somebody's addiction yeah. or disorder, but even just my own family, like we've started to do like sober months or something like that. And for the first time ever, whenever somebody's pregnant in my family, they're always like, who is it? What's going on? Is she drinking? 
super not healthy at all. <laughs> and for the first time this year, one of my cousins wasn't drinking and does it quite often. And she said, oh, I'm pregnant. And they're like, we don't believe you. You always don't drink. Like, it's fine. And she was. And so, like, just this, like, relationship with alcohol and pressuring and drinking has changed in my own family over two years. And I think it's because of the consciously sober movement for sure. Absolutely. And like, you have a good point there where this stuff can even just start conversations that wouldn't (laughs) normally be had in households. Um, Especially like with the younger generations too, they see this content and there might be, um, you know, that, that question of like, Oh, like there are so many celebrities going sober now. Mm -hmm. Like it's like, Oh, if you, if that's your favorite celebrity, like it becomes cool for you, right? There's that role model for you and you can follow that. But yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't see it ever as a negative. Yeah. I think like the stigma around like sobriety is a lot different than other addictions and disorders, but it'd be interesting to study how that's changed over time. And if we can use that on other stigmas of sorts for sure but you talked about the I am sober app is there any other tips you have for somebody struggling with their sobriety or wanting to get sober so number one is remind yourself that like if you can't do it perfectly Mm -hmm. you're the majority a lot of people don't um don't realize that people who have these like big numbers uh even even smaller numbers of like couple years or 10 years or whatever it's it, that's not the first time they tried you know um so if you try once and you fail just be easy on yourself mm-hmm. um the sober app is great i that's i've tried um not not many because i found that one it's the most recommended one in all the groups um the the free version is amazing and that's that's what i really like about it a lot of the other apps um which is cool because they're starting to like integrate like therapists and like Mm. if you you really need to get support um and even like you'll have set dates on the i am sober app so you can choose like okay so if you did say drink and you want to restart your time then you need to go there and you do that and they'll ask you like do you want to talk to someone there is such a benefit behind that to having that community there and then there are chat groups um, that you can go in straight there. That's totally private. Do you use Facebook groups too? Cause I know Facebook groups are like popping off right now. Like I'm in hiking groups and stuff and I like yeah. them. Like, Uh-oh. is that the same thing? <laughs> so many sober groups. Uh, there are also like sober women groups. So, or, uh, women identifying. So safe spaces, people will post every day in the Facebook groups. There's like sober living one uh sober women if you type in the search uh sober you'll find a group for you <laughs> like oh. so okay did you do aa can i ask you that like did you i don't know if do? you can ask me that <laughs> i don't know oh wait it's anonymous <laughs> okay, oh my god just joking um, that's so funny oh my, can you i'll go <laughs> can you the do cool that? thing about uh the pandemic i'm just <laughs> oh my god <laughs> You can ask me whatever you want. Um, the cool thing about the pandemic is uh, that AA has gone virtual. So a whole world uh, is opened up in that regard. When you, like the holidays, right? And when you feel like you're the only person not drinking yeah. and you need community, you have to do something, yeah. right? And sometimes lurking in like chat groups just isn't enough. Um, mm-hmm. Something like this where you see people, right? It, especially if, you, if you've been like cooped up because of the pandemic and you haven't had that face-to-face and you've been alone with your thoughts and like how accessible is alcohol? <laughs> like you could just, yeah. you know. So you can go on. Um, they, they have like aameetings.com or go mm-hmm. Google AA meetings and worldwide, uh, you can go on, they're on zoom. So you can just, if you have a zoom account or even if you don't, you can go, uh, click in and they run like multiple per day. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a great group of, of like-minded women and humans trying to go through the same thing. You know, if you even have that like little bit of a gut 
feeling where it's like, maybe this isn't, you know, uh, leading to my best life or leading to my best potential. Or like I start getting in fights more or I don't sleep well, or like we were talking about the benefits and stuff. Like there are the, the clear benefits of like your skin gets better, your hair gets better, uh, your mood gets better. The anxiety goes down. The main thing for me, um, was the change in my depression changed Mm -hmm. astronomically, like astronomically. I'd say that's, that's the main reason why I stay away from alcohol now is just so that like, if you already deal with depression, why are you pouring a depressant down? It's just like, it's more battle to deal with, right? It's just easier to remove it. I think that it is, especially now with everyone being so isolated, it is really important to find a community if you are going to do something like that, whether it's through AA or the Facebook groups or just like exploring in a bit. And going back to what you said at the beginning too, I think that if you're people who are listening, like, I mean, you said that you don't think that you don't think of it as forever. And I think that that's important because I don't think that if you're someone who maybe wants to, you're struggling with depression or you're just like, I don't like my mood. I I think maybe this will help. It doesn't need to be a decision that I think you're like, I, if I'm doing this, if I'm going to AA, I have to be like committing to this for the rest of my life. Otherwise I'm a failure. If I ever drink again, I think it's really normal. And I think that in a way, the social media movement, which social media can be good, bad, whatever, could be good in a sense that it's like maybe promoting that it doesn't need to be a permanent thing, but it can be an exploratory thing. Um, Mm -hmm. So having different scales to, to sobriety, not just like a permanent thing. And, and the thing to really remember that surprisingly hasn't come up yet is that it's not just about the drinking or the alcohol. Um, Getting sober, unfortunately is, about more than that and that's really kind of the first step which it seems kind of counterproductive to a lot of people or counterintuitive I should say because it's like well my problem is drinking and while that is true there is a reason why you're drinking (laughs) so (laughs) whatever that is behind it is going to come up and it's mm-hmm. really important to be prepared for that. Don't be afraid of it. I swear to you, you can get through so much more than you believe you can if you just have that faith that this is going to pass. It, it will pass. You're going to wake up tomorrow and the amount of respect you have for yourself for sticking to a goal. And that's what I, I view it as, as a goal, not mm-hmm. like... I don't like things that make me on the outside because with that eating disorder and with growing up with depression, there has been so much outside feeling for me that I feel like it's important even in the sober movement for there not to be such a divide. Like these conversations are amazing to have. And it's like Mm -hmm. just opening it up so it doesn't have to be where you feel like everybody who doesn't drink is going to give you a lecture about not Mm -hmm. drinking and like Mm -hmm. why you shouldn't be drinking and why all of your life problems are because you drink, because that's really not true. Like your life problems are there for other reasons and you are drinking. That's, Mm -hmm. that's Mm -hmm. the truth. Yeah. You said that actually on our last episode too, you were like, it's once you cut something out, then you have to deal with what you were using that to cope. Mm-hmm. Yeah. With whatever was underneath. So if you can afford therapy, <laughs> I should have said that too, because um, like, bless my therapist, she has been an amazing and integral part of this journey for me. Um, and also my family care physician, like people that you don't think of as like mm-hmm. your group, you you begin to expand that. And I don't know if you watch The Housewives, but like- so- <gasps> Yes. I was just going to say <laughs> Luann and so- Sonia are like- yeah. I like, like in the media, amazing yeah. and unbelievable role models. Absolutely. And <laughs> seeing that journey and like yeah. I have loved them forever and watching them go through it. And some of that. Yeah. And they drank this past season. Mm-hmm. I'll be honest, that was more like troublesome for me than like Christmas this year. <laughs> 
Like, I know. Oh, I get it. But like, like, like they, if they're your rock and you see yeah. them slip up, you're like, and like, yeah, too. and I'm like, you can't abandon me. I need you. Like, but I think Luann's like a really, like Sonia, I think is still on her journey. Yeah. And Luann, I think that's over again. Yeah. She's struck. But it's interesting to see her mess up and then come back and be like, wait, this isn't maybe something I can just be like, mm, I've been okay for a while. I think I can yeah. come back to it. Like her watching her on camera go through that understanding yeah. was, I thought, really impactful. And she's an amazing housewife. She's still fun. She still starts drama. Like I know. Still a great castmate. Yeah, I know. It's it's amazing that more characters are coming out and like Vanderpump mm. Rules, James. Lala. I, yeah, Lala. Did you watch that reunion? Uh, <laughs> I didn't know that I like Lither Under Rock. I didn't I didn't know about Randall and her. Like until I watched that. <sighs> James James. I Rick know. Huff? I can't. I can't. Like I and you know what the thing is? Is that's exactly what we were talking about, though. Yeah. James and Raquel, they went through such an integral part yeah. of his beginning of his sobriety journey. But he has so much longer to go because of all that stuff. Totally. And yeah. it takes years for it to come out. And like, you know, I've, I've heard so many wives or husbands were like, I thought, I thought it would get better when they stopped drinking and things got worse. And for some time, they may get worse. And like you, you see how angry James has been this season, yeah. and how many outbursts there have been. And like, that's a real thing. And especially in men, that's a real thing. Like it coming out in those yeah. ways. Um, women get like that too. But for whatever reason, like we internalize a lot as well. And I, I don't mean to be so binary, but yeah, I'll stop there. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think you're right. And I think at the reunion when they when Andy asked Lala, like, how has this been for your sobriety? And she yeah. said, my sobriety has never been stronger than it is in this moment yeah. right now because I have a daughter, because I understand how it will affect me. I think hope, I think she was speaking to James at that point, yes. too, a little bit, like, yes. directing him. Oh, thank you for talking to me about something I'm so passionate about. <laughs> Oh my god! Yeah, are we still talking I'm, about Real Housewives? I am lost. Yeah. I have no idea what this <laughs> like, is. Okay. One of the Real Housewives has a restaurant oh. chain. She's a mm-hmm. box chick. Like, oh yeah, LVP. Like, yeah, get her on the pod. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it is those kinds of things that are influencing all the other things. When people see people who have basically built their careers on like drinking at parties get sober, it's a pretty big deal to watch that transition yeah. and to sit there and be like, thank God there hasn't been a camera on me. <laughs> well, and now your book can be something yes. that can yes. be motivating to other people. Okay. Um, when that comes out, you know. Yes, I hope so. I hope so. Um, as a writer, that's the biggest dream is that it just gets out there and touches someone the way that someone else's words have touched you. Cause obviously like there's a lot of reading that, goes with writing and uh there's been so much like you said you know what are the things that help and like quit lit it's referred to um so literature on like other people's mm-hmm. drinking stories mm-hmm. um and that can come in the form of whatever stories poems etc art whatever you gravitate towards just going towards that and really like gripping it um for me it's writing and getting getting that out there where else can we find your writing? Um, so I would highly recommend right now going to michellegoogle.com mm. and subscribing because that's the best way to kind of keep up with all the articles that come out on a monthly basis, uh, any updates on book releases and launches. The poetry book, I am planning on really kind of making a big deal of. So I'm excited about that yeah, this we'll time. Help. Um, we will help. It's a little bit easier for me because it's it's a more universal theme, I feel, to talk about love mm-hmm. and to talk about that kind of loss. I don't know one person who hasn't experienced either love or loss, right? So, or both. Um, so I'm going to have that uh, for sale on the website as well. And you can get signed copies there that I'll send you directly from my house with a little thank you note. Um, you can also find me on Patreon now and as well as the Instagram and Facebook, 
search at Michelle Pugel. Super simple. All right. Um, it's been a while since I've done a wrap up, but Michelle knows the drill. So, I mean, we're going to do another, a 2.0 to a BCP anthem, a song, a song that you sing in the car when you, that your neighbors oh, gosh. look at you for. And two, a local business that you want to shout out. Same as last time, same deal. Pretty much anything by Logic, though, or Macklemore. Hmm. Machine Gun Kelly, I play a lot, too, to be honest. Um, nice. Like, a lot, a lot. You could do a whole podcast episode on Machine Gun Kelly and Megan Fox's relationship. Yeah. An entire episode. Uh, and then the, the business. Why don't I shout out to Far and Wide? Wouldn't that be nice? Yeah. That's um, awesome. They did an amazing job with their goal of creating that welcoming and wonderful environment. Um, mm -hmm. Truth be told, that is one of the spots where when I first moved back to Kamloops, I actually felt like, wow, okay, there's a spot in Kamloops where like I, yeah. you know, I enjoy going and it's just a really peaceful, wonderful experience and everyone in there is so nice and like I could spend forever. And then when they opened the plant store, they just became, you know, <laughs> amazing to me. So shout out to them. Uh, they're inspirational. They're amazing. They've done a great job. Mm -hmm. I Good agree. choices. <laughs> amazing. Okay. Well, thank you for being on the podcast yes. again and keep us posted. Send yes, us updates of what's going on and we'll, uh, can't wait to hear from yes, you. We well, good luck you and so congratulations. Much. Thank you so much, Michelle, for being on the pod. As always, a delight, an educational delight, and always like riveting conversation. And I agree. We it always can go in so many different ways. And she brings in such a she brings like the personal level to like really big social concepts. And sometimes it's hard to bring the emotion into those types of things. And she does it so well. Mm -hmm. So we're always so thankful to have her on the pod. You can find her at michellepugel.com and she has all of her articles linked there. Make sure to subscribe so you never miss one of her articles, no matter what website it's posted to. And check out her new version of Anamia and Me on Amazon. Um, all right. <laughs> <laughs> I think that oh, is it. It's been so long. I know, so here we go. I don't know how to say it, but um, me neither. I, uh, I think that's it. Uh, the bosses are out. The office is now closed. And we will see you in an indefinite amount of weeks because we don't know exactly when we're coming back. But we're here. 